Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. So let's get right into the Word, knowing that God will speak into our lives today. I, uh, I did want to say this. I, coming here as many years as I have, and, and a lot of times Pastor Rusty and Lee are gone, and so Roland's we just become great friends over the years, and he's been such a good host. And then there are times when he comes to Tulsa, and I just always look to him as the gold standard when it comes to associate pastors. And I don't even know what your title is. It it may be uh, it may be pastor for all I know. I don't know, but uh, singer, associate. He's always you know on the phone, and he, he's got this great wife and. He used to call me when they were dating. And, Uh-oh, yeah, no. oh yeah, yeah, he did, he did, right, yeah, he did. <laughs> I said, stay single. No, I didn't. I tell all, all people getting married that. When I was getting married, I, uh, an old pastor was sitting there, and he said, listen, what, what do you, I said, well, we're engaged, we're going to get married. I said, do you have any advice? He said, yeah, I do. I said, what is it? Don't do it, he said, don't do it. <laughs> I guess if he can talk you out of it, you don't need to get married. Well, it's great to be here uh, again, and uh, I stand with you uh, for your building, your land. I've seen your land. It's amazing what God's done already. And I tell you, I, I, I don't know if it was time before last that I was here, but as preparing for, for the services here, I, I, I saw people driving across that bridge to go to your church and wasn't here it couldn't have been here I mean they were driving out here to go to church to learn how to flow with the Holy Ghost and and so you you know God's this isn't that we're in a seasonal change right now things are changing and they're going to get different things when seasons change things get different it's a little uncomfortable as you go through it but uh, there's things that, that are going on right now that are exciting. Yeah. Amen. We've waited a long time for this season change. Why don't we do this? Let's stand together. And I, I just want to pray. This church is so rich in the Spirit. And I don't want to... Uh, I, I've got some things I want to teach you, but let's pray in the Spirit for a minute in case we need to go that direction. Can we do that? Thank you, Jesus. So Rabashana na masata rabor ninshke tevruda bagana mahata. Ora mama mana mansa kere devi shivronda mansanga da banda de bibeba. Rondo roboshi givronda mamba. Randa rada banda froda bagara bashara da banda. Bronde de vidi burbas kere de vidi baba. Rondo roboshi tevruto bagara mans kere de vishki froda baganda rada bashata rabasara da bahaya. O roboshi givroda bagada. Hala bronda frana mansa gana banda de vishki froda bagada bahata. Jondrombo segeribishki frokatamana maskere de viski frokadamanda de bibiba. Ola baragishke de viski, mona manskere de viski frokadana manskere de viski pa. O roboshe fredi bakoro de viski frota bagada bahata. Bronze kere de benyodere de viski frota bagada basatara bashandara la bahaya. Ronza goro boskere de vede de viski frota bagandara la bahaya. Rondoro do boske tevre de bokoda basket de viski fratapa parabasatara baha. Thank you, Father, that your kingdom come, your will be done in this church. Thank you, Father, that the plan be worked out step by step. 
as you make the way, as you give the direction, as you provide the full supply for everything that you have in store for this place, for this house, that they'll work on two fronts, locally and internationally at the same time. Thank you, Father, for the unction, the anointing, the wisdom to do it, and the, and the resources to, to finance it. There'll never be a shortage of money in Jesus' name. There never has been and never will be in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. There's a statement about Epaphras who prayed for the Colossians. In Colossians 4, said he prayed fervently that you may do all the will of God. Epaphras was laboring fervently in his prayers for you that you may do all the will of God. And you know you've done some of the will of God, but you're not done yet as a church. You want to do all the will of God. And he prayed that that would happen. So there's prayers that are necessary to push it over the, over the goal line. Isn't that great? That we're not just spectators, but we get in and pray. We pray and seek God, and, and, it, and, it, and it propels things forward. And, and, you know, I mean, there's no scripture on this, but who knows if you could ever really do all the will of God in your life. Because once you start to do the will of God, you're a target. There's resistance and challenges, and it may be necessary for fervent prayer for any ministry or church to do all the will of God. So we want to make sure we cover, cover each step in prayer and make sure that's done. Amen? Amen. I, I declare that Island Church will do all the will of God. Amen. All the will of God. See, we're not, and, and that's not, you know, that's not selfish or egotistical. If we do the will of God, people are going to get helped. I mean, you could have a happy little church and never go beyond these four walls and, and go to heaven and be fine. But if you do all the will of God, other people are going to be affected. And that's what it's all about. We want to touch our world. Amen. When we do the will of God, people are helped. Oh, my, it's about the people. Mm. Amen. You can be seated. Don't you love people? Wow. I just love people of all shapes and sizes and ages. It, what blesses me about my TV program is it's on the Internet, and I've spent the last 27 years traveling as hard as I can go all over the world. And now if they have a cell phone, and they do, believe me, third world countries, they're all equipped with cell phones now. It's amazing. If they've got internet access, they can watch my program. I can just see little, little faces looking at their smart devices watching internet gospel TV. Isn't that great? This is an amazing year, age that we live in. Uh, thank you for your gifts. i you know, I was telling Roland, I, I had a happy life. I, was, I had a, a nice house and a happy wife and a boat. And then I got invited to do this, and our lives have not stopped since. We, it's like we're, we have a mandate to get the word out like never before. You know, in 27 years of traveling and however many years of preaching, you accumulate a lot of revelation if you're a teacher. And, it, and, and I began to get uneasy about two years ago and the Lord, before I wrote my book, and he began to share with me that you are responsible for that truth. You've got to get that out in the right ways. You can't take that to your grave with you or you're not doing 
what I've told you to do. And so as I began then to, to, to write and to get things out in other ways, I began to realize there's more in there than I thought. <laughs> you know, when you travel, you, you go somewhere like, like here, you prepare for two, two services or I'll prepare for four services and you focus on that. And you do that week after week, year after year, and you start to think that's about it. You've got about four services. But it's, it's so much more than that now. And the world, boy, the world needs the truth, don't they? When you look at the content of a lot of programs, even gospel programs, it's time somebody just preached the word, not trying to prove anything. You know, I'm not edgy or way out there. What people need is just the truth in a language they can understand. You know, just simple stuff. That I spent several days preaching on God good, devil bad. <laughs> You'd be amazed how many people get that mixed up. They want to blame stuff on God that he didn't do. And that you can't get help that way because he's the helper. And if you're mad at the helper, he can't help you. So... It's just, just foundational stuff just needs to be hammered, and, and it's good for folks that already know it. It's like, oh, yeah, I like that. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. God good, devil bad. I got some more stuff. You bought almost all my books. I would, I guess we can give the last one away. Um, they are on iBooks and Kindle if, you're, if you uh, want to get an electronic book. Uh, this series is one of our most popular. It's called Living in the End Times Without Losing Your Mind. And it, it'll make you laugh. It's happy. What we deal with here are these two emotions of anger and fear. And if you can get that under control, you can be happy in this world. But there, those things really do, when you live in a society like ours, in a world that's come to the point ours has come to, anger and fear are real problems. You ever watch the news till you got angry? It happens. And if you watch it too long, you might get scared. So we deal with it. And so this is out there. Who'd like to have this one? You would? Come, come and get it. I, I have said on prayer that I wanted to call prayer for dummies, but my wife wouldn't let me. Here, here that's for you. Oh, you're <laughs> I'm not going to tell them. A lot of us deal with anger issues. Oh, I'm sorry. I had this set I wanted to call it Prayer for Dummies, and I could see people buying that. Like, I don't really need this, but I know somebody who, who does. So I called it Prayer Made Simple. But we all know what that means, right? <laughs> <laughs> you started this. It's just kind of a... All right, this is called the Good News Package, and, and we put three series in here, Understanding Righteousness, the Believer's Authority, and the Baptism of the Holy Spirit, and also added a video called The Good News is So Good the Bad News Doesn't Matter. So this is a lot of teaching on a USB if you're interested in that, and these are listed at $60, but we'll sell them for 40 and if you already bought one, you can get it your $20 back. Um, so, uh, but this is, uh, how many of you know what a USB drive is? If you don't, you don't want this, but who would like to have this and will, you'll use it? You want it? All right, come get it. 
That's a good value right there. No, no, no. no. It's not on there. <laughs> I wanted to make it. You've seen those books, those black and yellow books, uh, computers for dummies, and I wanted to design it. I had all these ideas, but my wife, she struck it down. She's a little more sensitive than I am. She was at the grocery store the other day, and this is kind of what, how, her, how her life goes. And we, we were, you know, we're empty nesters, so we do silly things, but we were eating cheese, different kind of cheese, you know, and we've kind of gone back to American cheddar, but we were experimenting with cheese. And she went to the grocery store and went up to the manager, and sincerely, she said, do you know cheeses? And he thought she said, Jesus. And he goes, but, uh, but, excuse me, no, do you know Jesus? And, <laughs> do you know Jesus? <laughs> Finally, she said, no, cheese. Do, oh, he goes, yeah, 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 come on, come on. She can witness accidentally. She can. <laughs> do you know Jesus? <laughs> Amen. We better pray. Father, thank you for the Word of God. Reveal it to us tonight. Lead us and guide us into your truth. Show us things that we need to see so we can be the people you've called us to be. And we thank you for this atmosphere, this gathering of people, and we let ask your will to be done in our midst. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. amen. So I want you to, I'm going to just give you a few verses um, We'll start with Revelation 21 and verse 4. <clears throat> and we left off kind of with that one this morning. And let me just say hi to George. Uh, it's always good to see George and, and, uh, and fellowship with him. He's, he comes from the charismatic movement, and that's kind of where I got started. And so I remember George was driving me around the island one trip get, telling me stories about the charismatic renewal. And he knew Moses and Aaron. And he, he could tell you stories. <laughs> but no, he knew a lot of our, of our great men of faith. And, and uh, so it's a rich, it's a treasure. Glad to have you here. And he snores, but that's a different story. <laughs> Revelation 21, 4 says, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There will be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. So this is already something that, that belongs to us. And Jesus uh, provided uh, not only forgiveness and healing, but he provided peace for our souls. He was wounded for our transgressions and, and bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes were healed. So his redemption was, was for the spirit, soul, and body. And we, we do focus a lot on the spiritual side. And, the, and if you're only going to get one thing from God, get forgiveness of sins. But there's no reason to stop there. In Psalm 103, he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So there's more than just forgiveness of sins. He has a lot of benefits, and the ones that you're going to enjoy are the ones you believe for, the ones that you 
possess, the ones that you demand, the ones that you stand in faith for. And this area, I believe, is sometimes is overlooked. But you don't have to be sad. You don't have to be sorrowful, just like you don't have to be sick. You don't have to feel condemned. You don't have to live in shame. You don't have to live in guilt. These things can be eradicated. These things can be repelled or displaced by the Word of God, by the power of God, and by the revelation of His Word uh, on your redemption. Can you say amen to that? Isaiah 53, 4 says, Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Well, if He took them, then we don't have to have them. Grief and sorrow. And I'm not going to get into all the details, I mean, all the different uh, symptoms, but it's not God's will for you to grieve chronically or have prolonged grief and sorrow in your life. Sometimes we have those things, but it's not God's will. And we can say enough is enough. You can be happy again. You can be full of joy again. You can, you can look forward to getting up in the morning again. You can look forward to your future. Uh, no matter how good your past has been, Satan wants you to regret it. And no matter how bad your past has been, Jesus can set you free. In fact, it's really not even dependent on how much good or bad you've done. I, I give this example all the time, but it's true. If you've been to other countries, you see people that have almost nothing, and they're the happiest people you've ever seen. And then you can go to some other places where people have everything, and they're miserable. Because happiness is not based on how many, many things you have. The same is true with joy. You can see people who've been through disaster and tragedy in their life, and they're happy. Other people have just kind of had a mundane past, and they're miserable. So it's not really based on what you've done, what you've experienced. You can possess joy and gladness in your life if you want it. And I contend that we ought to be the happiest people in the world. We have a reason to be glad. I don't care what happens tomorrow. Jesus is Lord. The Bible is true. God's on the throne. And you're going to heaven. The angel announced to the shepherds, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. I like that. That's not just for Christmas. It's not a Christmas message. This is an everyday message. Good tidings, great joy to all people, not just some people, not just good people, not just bad people, not just rich people, not just poor people, not just people that haven't been through anything. Good tidings, great joy to all people. I feel like an evangelist preaching a message on joy. I'm trying to get joy converts tonight. Would you accept the joy of the Lord in your life? Would you let go of grief and sadness and sorrow the way you let go of, of sin and guilt and shame? Would you do that for the Lord? Would you reflect well on Him? If the Lord's our shepherd, we shall not want, we ought to be happy sheep. If the Lord is your shepherd, your life is a reflection on Him. He doesn't want sad sheep. 
moping around. Sheep, he wants happy, fluffy, pudgy. You know what I mean? Happy sheep. Not barely getting along, starving, wondering where our next meal's coming from. That's a reflection on the master. Remember in Matthew 6, Jesus says, why do you worry? What's wrong with you humans? You're always worried about where you're going to eat and, and what are you going to wear. Don't you know? He said, don't you know? It's like he was confused. Don't you know your heavenly father? See, he'd been to heaven. He came from heaven. He knows the focus uh, that heaven has on you. He knows the attention. No detail is spared. God is familiar with every need before you are. He knows the very hairs on your head. That verse, that makes me happy. That hair on the head verse. Doesn't that make you happy? You, you may have never thought of it before. Maybe you thought, God's really into hair. I mean, he's counting everybody's hair. No, he knows everything. What that really means is, you can't even tell me how many hairs are on your head, can you? You don't know. God knows. That means he knows more about yourself than you do. And, and what Jesus is saying is, heaven, God cares so much about you. Why would you take one minute to worry? Why would you let that enter your mind? Why can't you just be happy? <laughs> Somebody said, mm, we're not preaching on worry tonight, but we could. Somebody said, worry is like interest paid on a debt you may never have. We want, ought to take inventory on the things that we worry about and the things that we really stress over and see if any of them actually ever happened. Many times it never even happens. And, and even if it does, it's not nearly as bad as all the worry that led up to it. All right, move on. One of the hallmarks of the gospel, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor and heal the brokenhearted. That's quite a promise, isn't it? Did you know nobody can heal a broken heart but Jesus? There's no doctor on earth, no psychiatrist that can heal you of a broken heart, but Jesus can. I've seen him do it. 1 Peter 1.8, this is a great one. I'm, I'm leading up to the something here, but I want to go through these scriptures. 1 Peter 1.8, I, I what I want to make is a scripture card. I'm going to laminate it and call it no, the No Regrets Scripture Card. And you take that and you, and you speak those verses every day to drive out sorrow, to drive out mourning, to drive out regret out of your life. It takes an aggressive stance, just like if you were standing in faith for healing. You've got to take an aggressive stance, but it's, it's better than, than worrying. It's better than waking up sad every day. 1 Peter 1.8 says, Whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. I mean, the scriptures just paint this picture. It's, it's pretty amazing. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. One of the things that started all this in my, in my life, because God had to work in me about some of these things, was I read a book by Brother Hagin called Right and Wrong Thinking. It's an old book. I mean, I'd read it before. But it's some of the things that I read just stuck again. I mean, they just sort of spoke to me again. And one of them was this. 
He said that somebody had been prayed for for healing and their symptoms had left their body and they came up to him and they were talking to him about it. And when they left, he said, I knew they weren't going to keep their healing because they never did get the whine out of their voice. The whine. And I thought, you can have a whine in your voice? And I started thinking about things. And I thought, you know, I got a whine in my voice about certain things. I got to get the whine out of my voice. We ought not be whiners. We're New Testament believers. We, we have reason to rejoice, not to whine. We ought not be sad. We ought to be happy. We need to speak the word of God over our lives until it removes, it displaces all the whine, all the, all the sorrow and poor old me out of our lives. If you're going to be a New Testament believer, you might be attacked, persecuted, and disliked and misunderstood. But one thing people are not going to do is feel sorry for you. They didn't feel sorry for Joshua and Caleb, did they? Now, they felt sorry for themselves. We can't do it. They're too many. They're too bigger than we are. We're never going to make it. We can't go in and take the land. And Joshua and Caleb said, let's go up at once and take the land. We're well able to take the land. They're bred for us. Their defenses are departed. Let's go. And they said, okay, we don't understand you. And we don't agree with you. And we don't like you. And we want to kill you. They wanted to stone them, but nobody felt sorry for them. So if you're going to live this way, you've got to leave pity, self-pity, and pity parties, and pity offerings. You've got to leave that behind. No more whine. Joy unspeakable, full of glory. No whine. Romans, uh, Revelation 12, 11 says, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. So I was going around in my prayer room. Half my prayer time now is, thank you, Lord. I'm a new creation. I'm the righteousness of God. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. I'm not sorry about my past. I don't regret my past. I'm not looking back. I'm looking forward. God's putting me over. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And just those New Testament, New Covenant verses, you begin to speak those and it changes the way you think. Well, I'll give you some. Romans eight eleven, Spirit of him that raised Jesus uh, from the dead dwells in you and he quickens your mortal body. But look, look at this. Let's turn here and then we'll move on. But Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. I, I want to show you this. If you, if you want a real recipe for, for joy and gladness, it's Ephesians 1, 3 through 7. And I'm going to read it to you, and then I'm going I'm to break it down real fast into, into uh, single words. Ephesians 1, 3 says, Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. So you're blessed a lot. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, so you're chosen. That we should be holy, now you're holy, and blameless before him in love, having predestined us to what? Adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have Redemption through his blood, forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. 
So according to these verses, you, everybody say me. me. You are blessed, chosen, blameless, adopted, accepted, redeemed, and forgiven. Wow. No room for sadness there. No room for sorrow. Go ahead and let God fill you with his truth and leave all that regret behind. Let me give you two more. Psalm 126, verses 1 through 3. says, When the Lord brought back... Psalm 126, verses 1 through 3. When the Lord brought back the captivity captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. Our mouth, that would be a type and shadow of the church, of us. So this is us, okay? Right now, here and now, we are like those who dream. Our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. And they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. See, that's those sheep that are blessed because their shepherd is the good shepherd. And the people look at us and say, the Lord has done great things for you. And then he says, yes, the Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. I don't know about you, but I'm still glad I'm saved. I'm glad I'm going to heaven. I'm glad I'm forgiven of my sins. I'm glad I'm a child of God. We should never get over that. Psalm 144, verse 15 says, Happy are the people who are in such a state. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. That would be us. Are you happy today? Now, these promises are not just for people that have never had any experiences in life. They're for any child of God. And the, it's just like... It's just like the blood of Jesus is capable of forgiving you of all your sins. The sacrifice that he made for you is big enough, strong enough to eradicate all of your sorrow, all of your regret. It's through the value of that redemption. It's by that payment that God will eventually wipe away everybody's tears completely. Remove the effects of sin on your being. We might as well apply it right now. We might as well accept it today. Can you say amen? amen. All right. So I'm going to, let me just give you, I'll just give you four areas that cause regret. I'm not going to cover all four. We have a new series coming out. It's being edited and put together right now because I just finished it Friday. And so they're putting it together. But, but I want to give you four areas that create sorrow, sadness, regret, disappointment. And you can apply the Word of God to them, but it helps us sometimes to identify them. Number one, missed opportunities. What you could have done or should have done but didn't do. You can kick yourself over that for the rest of your life. But I'm here to tell you, join the club. We've all missed opportunities. You can't, you can't let that limit you today, what you didn't do yesterday. Number two, past sins. The experience and memory of past sins creates guilt and shame that will try to follow you for the rest of your life. I'm going to tell you that will limit you, and the blood of Jesus is enough to wash that away. No need to put up with that. Say, well, are you, are, you, uh, are you cheapening or lessening 
the, the, the evil of sin? No, I'm exalting the value of the blood of Jesus. Sin is worse than you ever thought. But the blood of Jesus is more powerful and more valuable than you ever thought. Past sins. Number three, and boy, could I get into this one, but I won't. Broken relationships. Broken relationships. That would be people that were in your life and things have gone bad now and you just can't resolve it. You can't reconcile it. Can I just tell you that happens? And I'm not taking sides, you know, that's not even necessary. It doesn't matter, really, at this point. If it was your fault or their fault or combination or whatever, if it's gone, it's gone. Now, you've got to do what you can to... The Bible says, it, it, this is the interesting thing. It says in Romans 12, 8, if it's possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. <laughs> Don't you like that? <laughs> if possible. Since when did Paul ever state something like... He's usually saying, you know, do this, and live right, and, and declare whatever. But here he's saying, if it's possible... Why? Because it may not be possible. It's not always possible to live peaceably with all men. Things happen. Relationships go. They, you part ways with people. And if you've done everything you can do to resolve it and make it right and it's still not right, you've got to go on. Somebody say amen. This is, to me, this is one of the biggest surprises that I've had in my Christian life. You know, when, when, when you get saved, you know you're going to leave people behind. That's obvious, isn't it? And you, glad, you do it gladly because you, you're so excited to be in, in Christ. You don't want to live that way anymore. You want to go on with God. And God then starts to add new people, new friends that are saved, that believe like you. And, and in, our, in our mind, we're thinking, this is awesome. We're going to heaven together. We were going to be together for the rest of our lives. Maybe not. There may be a time in your life where you'll lose some of those. And if that happens, you have to go on. Did you know that your life, that success in your life is not measured by how many friends you have at the end? <laughs> I know that's anti-American, isn't it? That's just anti-social. I preached this at a minister's conference. Actually, it's on that series on uh, answering the call. And I said... I'm not going to tell you in this session how to win friends and influence people. Plenty of books on that. I'm going to tell you how to lose them. Because <laughs> sometimes you just need to go on. This isn't a popularity contest. This is war. I don't know if you knew that. It's war. And you need to quit being angry at the sergeant because he raised his voice. He was telling you to duck or you're going to get your head blown off and you're complaining about the tone. You see what I mean? We get so diverted to what's actually going on here. Listen, if a relationship in my life is not helping me go forward and make progress in God, if it's constantly pulling me away from God and the will of God and the things of God, I may not have time for it. I know. You, 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 I can't cover this. You're just going to have to pray through it but it helped me to realize that 
let me just give you the example, all right? Paul and uh, Barnabas were the dynamic duo. They went out together, sent by the Holy Ghost in Acts 13, anointed by God to go preach, and they started the New Testament church on Paul's first missionary journey. They, they, they were brothers. They went through hardship together. They preached. They, they, they were persecuted. They did all these things together. And then when it came time, Paul told Barnabas, hey, let's go back to all the churches that we started and let's see how they're doing. And Barnabas said, okay, let's do it. I'm going to take Mark. And Paul said, no, we're not taking Mark. He, he, uh, he deserted us on the first trip. And Barnabas said, well, he's my nephew, and we're going to take him. And Paul said, no, I'm in charge of this thing, and we're not taking little mama's boy. He's not going with us, or whatever. I, I have a feeling Paul was a little rough around the edges. That's why he said, if it's possible, as much as depends on you. Because <laughs> he'd lost a few friends along the way, don't you think? And so he, uh, the, 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 the disagreement was so strong, the Bible says, that Paul took Silas and they, and they left, and Barnabas took Mark and they left. Period. I've studied it in the Greek in the original text, and you're like, whose fault was it? How could they do this? This was division in the child. Oh, it breaks my heart. How do they, how do Paul and Barnabas, God put, what God has put together, let no man separate. And there's division in the early church. We need Dr. Phil to bring them back into a room and let's hug it out. We can figure this out. You don't have to do this. It doesn't have to go this way. And we can get so broken up over it that we can, we can mourn over that for years instead of they just went their ways. Nobody was blamed. Nobody took sides. The Bible didn't take sides. The Bible says they just couldn't reconcile and they both went their separate ways and did the will of God. It happens. And we see that as division, but I can, if you look at it from God's perspective, it was multiplication. Why? Now you've got two groups of two instead of one group of two. That's multiplication. And that happens a lot. Some ministries need to part ways. They need to, they need to move on and do things in their own field, and that's perfectly normal until we get a hold of it and try to read too much into it. I'm not here to preach on this, but I'm going to tell you, it happens. I, I, I think I might have told you this, but when I did my minister's seminar, I called it this section, get hurt, get over it, repeat. Why? It happens, and, and you've got to learn how to deal with it. Did you get anything out of that? All right, number four, the fourth reason that we experience regret is the loss of a loved one. And... I'm not going to go there tonight because I can't cover all four of these thoroughly, but, but let me just say it this way. Let me just give you point one in this. God never intended for us to experience death. He, he never wanted that to be part of the human experience. So anytime somebody dies, that wasn't what God intended from the beginning. Doesn't that help you? I, I I was just talking to a friend of mine, a wonderful, godly man, and I just happened to call him um, on the one-year anniversary of his wife's passing. 
And he, I, I mean, I just called him out of the blue and it happened to be that day and he had left and gone off by himself. He didn't want to be with anybody, but he answered my call and we just talked and he cried and, and talked about it, reminisced and remembered. And I just said, you know, I just want to leave you with this one, this one thought. You know, I don't understand it all and I wish he was still here, but I said, God never intended us to experience death. That was never his will. Isn't that great? No matter what happens, no matter how awful, and I've watched loved ones pass away, and it hurts. There's no, no two ways about it, but that wasn't God's original plan. I'd never blame him for what Adam did. And then, and then another point along this line, I, I like to make this one. If you've read testimonies of people who have been to heaven, have you ever read a testimony of somebody who's been to heaven and come back? You know what they all have in common? They didn't want to come back. Jesus made them. They said, we don't want to go back. And he said, no, you have to go back. I don't want to go back, but all your family's here. We're all here. And we're all broken up over you being there. If you just come back, we could all be happy. And they wouldn't come back if they had the choice. They'd say, nope, I'm not going back. Well, that makes me happy. They're where they want to be. Now, I don't, I'd rather them be here, but they want to be there and they wouldn't come back. <laughs> Makes me happy for them. We can celebrate our reunion. Amen. All right. So let's go back to missed opportunities. I just want to hit a few of these points and, and, um, and leave this with you. All of us can look back no matter, and of course, the older you are, the more you can look back and regret. Um, but we can all look back and think we should have done this or wish I'd have done that. And that can really mess you up if you allow it to. But, but I'll tell you something. God is able to do more with your future than you could do if you went back and redid your past. You have to believe that. God's not an I was God or I should have been God. He's an I am. He's the I am that I am. You're not a has-been. God has something for you right now, and we focus on that, and we look forward to the future with expectation. And if you don't do that, then you're allowing the past to dictate your view of the future. You can't let that happen. You know, there's some people that, that maybe, uh, you know, maybe you're 50 years old and you didn't, you chose not to have children, and now you're going, wow, you know. I sure wish we'd have had kids, and now we didn't have kids, and now it's too late to have kids, and we're not going to have kids, and we should have had kids. I wish we'd had. And then there are other people who are 50 years old, and they had kids, and they're going, I wish we hadn't had them, kids. <laughs> why, why did we do that? We, we had it made, and we didn't know it. You know, uh, uh, <laughs> you know what happened when that teenager got in trouble, and his dad says, go to your room, and the teenager says, but dad, I didn't ask to be born. And his dad said, well, if you've had of the answer would have been no. <laughs> but, but there are always things that you wish you'd have done and you didn't do and they can, and they can haunt you. But I'm going to tell you, you got to just let that go. You cannot whine around about that and live in the past. What Satan wants you to do is stress out about things that you can't change. You know that's the devil when you're bothered about something, possessed with some thought about some situation that it's impossible to change. At some point, you've got to say, I'm moving on. 
I didn't do it. I would have done it, but I didn't do it. So whatever, I got to move on. You can't live in the past. You got to go for it and live in the future. <laughs> one of the, you know, <clears throat> one of the, the, the Americanized sayings is you can be anything you want. I beg to differ. You can't be anything you want to be. If you're 40 years old and you're fat and bald, you can't be an Olympic gymnast. We don't want you to. You know what I mean? I mean, don't give me that. You could be anything you want. I, I bet nobody in here could be president. You know, you're only going to have a handful in your lifetime, and you ain't going to be one of them. I've already scanned the room, and I know that's not going to happen. You know? Oh, and there's no NFL Hall of Famers in here either. You know, one time I, I was an Emmett Smith fan, and he's about the same age as me. I was following the Cowboys, and I realized we were the same age. And, and then they gave his statistics. Turns out he was 185 and 5'11". I thought, oh, my gosh. I, too. I went to the scale. I'm 185. I'm 5'11". Maybe... I, too, could be a Hall of Fame running back. Now, I was 30, but I still had that hope. Uh-uh. It, it just ain't going to happen. Emmett just had it, and I didn't. And, and some things can't change. So sometimes we have all these ideas in our mind of what we could have done and should have done and would have done, and you wouldn't have done it anyway. So forget about it. You don't have that to live over. What you do have is a future. And if you can get over the past and let God inspire you, you can do what, you, what God has ordained that you do in your life. The truth of that, the, the true statement is, you can be anything God wants you to be. Now, that's true. You can be anything God wants you to be, and he will help you do it. And I'm going to say this again. God can do more with your future from now till you go to heaven than you could do with your past if you got to redo it. Why? Because he's a God. Listen, with God, it's always plan A. He can still do it. He can still work it out because he factored in all your mistakes. In fact, we're not even surprised that you missed opportunities. You're the only one that's surprised. We knew. <laughs> You know, you know, we've had a lot of people work for us over the years, and we tell them when they come in, there's hundreds of things to learn. You're going to make mistakes. Uh-uh. The ones that think, oh, no, not me. I'm going to learn this. I'm going to do it right. They're the worst ones because they make the mistakes. I have to pay for it, and then they kick themselves for two weeks or whatever it is, and it's like, can you just get over it? I knew you were going to do it. We told you you were going to do it. You're the only one that didn't think you were going to do it, and then you did it. Now get over it, and let's get back to work. Do you know how God has to wait on people? They kick themselves. They blame themselves. They look back. They regret. They sorrow. They mourn. They relive it over and over. And at, at, at some point, you have to say, Lord, you're bigger than all this. We're going to go forward and forget the past. Can you say amen? amen. Joel 2.25. You ready for a verse? I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. Man, that's good news, isn't it? 
God can restore years. That's why I said plan A is always in effect with God. He can still do what he wanted to do with you if you give him a chance. Sometimes we, we say, well, you know, God's the God of the second chance. Yes, he'll give you a second chance, but will you give him a second chance with you? Will you give yourself a second chance? A lot of times we keep God from, from giving us a second chance because we put ourselves in some sort of a, of a, of a permanent timeout. When the Lord wants us to just get going again. Did you know you can have that spring in your step again? You could be excited again. You can get your vision back. Psalm 147, 3 says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. That's even if they're self-inflicted. I'm going I'm to actually um, close with this. I was in a in a season change years and years ago it was a uh, it was a definite change you know you do go through seasonal changes and i believe we're in one now as as a as the body of christ but you go through these seasonal changes and i was moving from one season to another in my life and when you do that you automatically reflect on the past and i was doing that and and I was just kind of, you know, I was mourning. I was sad. I said, Lord, you know, I, I think this part of my life's over. And it wasn't the end of high school, but it would be something similar. I mean, you're just about to graduate. You're never going to be back. And then you look back and see what, you know, see it from a different perspective. And it was one of those situations where I was about to make a, a career change and move on. And, and I was just regretting it. And I was looking back and I just said, you know, I could have done that better. And I, I didn't really realize what was going on here. And I, I didn't really understand. And I wish I'd have done that different. And I could have been a better. And, and, and I just kept doing that until the Lord finally had enough of it, I think. And he, and he just sort of shook me and he showed me a picture and gave me an illustration. And he talks to me that way a lot. But, but I, I felt like this might help you. He, he showed me, he, he said, your, your past season was like a graduate school, like college. It wasn't college, but he said it was like college. And each relationship in your life represented a different course and a different instructor. And some of the courses you did really good in. And some of them you didn't do so good in. And those are the ones you regret. But he said you passed. And you should have no more resentment or bitterness toward any of these areas of your life as you would against a college professor that taught a very difficult subject that you got through and passed. You got your diploma. Now you're going to move on. You got what you wanted. And don't worry about it. Don't look back. And I thought, thank you, Lord. At least I graduated. And, you know, I thought about that. When you go to a doctor, <laughs> what do you see on their wall? You see a diploma. You don't see a transcript, right? Wouldn't that be nice? I'd like to have all my doctor's grades on the wall, and you could look and go, hmm, you got a D in anatomy? I don't, I don't think I'm coming back. You got a, a D in physiology? Hmm. No, you don't see that. Why? Because there's a, there's a minimum requirement. And if they make that, then, then that's it. That, that they passed. They get the diploma, the approval, and they can move on. Can I say to you today, if you're here, if you're still breathing, if you still love Jesus, you've made it this far, 
Don't regret or resent anything in your past, any relationship that was difficult. Just thank God you got through it. You got your, your D. <laughs> and, and, and move on. <laughs> and that's exactly what I did. And you know, I've never had a problem with it since. It cured me. I'm not a straight-A student, and neither are you. There was only one. His name was Jesus. The rest of us, we have good areas and weak areas, but thank God if you're still in the race, you're moving forward. Stay in there, and you'll get another diploma. We'll just keep moving up. We go from glory to glory, from faith to faith. You know, nothing in our past has to bother us to the point of, of, of being becoming a hindrance. Nothing anybody does to you can stop you if, unless you allow it to. You have the total power in your life to deal with situations and apply. As I said this morning, uh, sometimes people are trapped in the past because they're so familiar with what they did. Well, listen, you've got to apply what he did to what you did, and I can promise you it'll cancel it out. It's enough so that you can move on with no regrets. No regrets. Isn't that great? You me, I'm going to give you one more revelation I got. They've been coming fast lately. But I was preparing, and the, and the Lord, he reminded me, of the time in John 21 when he met with Peter on the, on the lakeside. And Peter had betrayed him three times. Remember that? Peter felt terrible. Wouldn't you feel awful? I mean, and the Lord told him he was going to do it. That just made it worse. I mean, if that had been you and your wife or your husband, can you imagine? I told you you were going to do it. I don't know why you did it. I told you it was going to happen, and now you act like you're sorry. How could you be sorry? I told you you were going to do it, and then you did it. You knew exactly what you were doing. Not going to get any sympathy from me. You, you know what I'm saying? We look at it from a natural standpoint, and Peter's just dying over this. And, and Jesus is expecting Peter to be the rock. I mean, he's got to hold this thing together and push it forward. He, him and James and John are the leaders of the New Testament church. They have a big job to do. And he is looking back with regret and pain and condemnation. And Jesus met him beside the lake, and the thing that he said was amazing. It's the last thing in the world you would think he would say. He says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter's like, what do you mean do I love you? I should be asking you that. I betrayed you. You didn't betray me. I'm the failure here. I'm the one that can't get over it. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Oh, isn't that powerful? He didn't say, Peter, did you learn anything from that? Are you going to get your act together? You promised me you'll never do that again. Will you just go to timeout until further notice? I don't know if I can use you. I don't know if I want to use you. No. He says, Peter, do you love me? Wow, that blew me away the other day. I, oh, my gosh, do you love me? Peter goes, yes. He asked him three times. Why? Because he wanted him to get it, see? He, he didn't say, Peter, I still love you. He didn't say that. You know why? It's understood. He didn't say, Peter, are you sorry? Why? Why go there? He got right to the point. He says, look, as far as heaven is concerned, nothing has changed. Do you still love me? 
And Peter says, yeah. He said, well, feed my sheep. Get with it. Nothing's changed. There's no difference. Do you love me? You see, the question is not what you did or not how sorry you are, not how awful it was. The question today is, do you still love him? Do you still love Jesus? Because the sheep are waiting for you to get over it and get your act together. They need you to succeed. They need you to leave the past behind. They need you to, to, to go forward with confidence. It could be a matter of life and death for them. Do you love him? Isn't that powerful? And I can say, yes, Lord, I love you. There's a lot of things. We could stay here all day and let me tell you how many things I'm sorry over, but I love you. I do love you. Well, that's all that matters. Plan A is still in force. Isn't that great? Is that liberating? We've got to get ready for the future by getting over the past and give God something to work with. Praise the Lord. Would you stand with me? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Well, you know, this church just has that draw. I, I, um, I w- wanted to just teach a message, but I, I, I want to do this. Would you bow your heads for a moment? If you're here, there's such a sweet presence here. Why? Because this is close to God's heart. He, he wants us to do some things for Him. And, and even beyond that, He wants us to be happy and enjoy our redemption. But if you're here today and you say, you know what, I'm dealing with regret. And the word was just what I needed. It's, it's hit a nerve in me. And it's helped me, first of all, to realize that I was carrying around some regret. That I was carrying around some sorrow from my past that I wasn't really aware of. But I am now. And the word helped me. But I like the anointing. I would like the anointing to touch my broken heart, my sorrow, my sadness. I've seen it so many times. Did you know the power of God can minister to you and drive things out, drive out grief and sorrow and sadness? The anointing breaks that yoke along with God's Word. The anointing will give you instant relief. Now, the Word's what gives you permanent relief, but the anointing is here if you need it, if you want it, to minister to you over sorrow for missed opportunities, for past sins, for broken relationships. I'll even include abuse, tragedy, mistakes, accidents, things that scar us, those things that that hurt us. He, he, He heals the brokenhearted and he binds up our wounds. Praise God. If that's you and you say, you know what, I just like prayer. I'm not going to ask you what it is. I'm not going to have you tell us what what, what created your sorrow because it doesn't matter. There's There's a battle going on. Jesus wants you to be free from it. And the devil wants you to just continue to hold on to it. But if you're ready for relief, release, victory, then I want to lay hands on you. How many of you say, I'd like hands laid on me for that reason? Can I see your hand? Let me see it. All right, would you, would you make your way down and the ushers are going to help us. We're not going to take a long time, but I felt like I'd have been missing God if we dismissed without this personal touch. 
You know, there's a doctrine in the Bible of laying on of hands. Did you know that's a doctrine in the church? The doctrine of laying on of hands. And I just think it's because God, that's just kind of the nature of God. If he was here in person, he'd be close. He wouldn't be up on a stage or up on a pedestal. He'd be right down here with us. He'd be touching us and, and getting close to us. He'd be hugging us and, and putting his hand on our head. He, he loves people. Jesus loves people. So he, he's not here in physical body to do it, but he sent me to do it in his place tonight. Hallelujah. So just pray this with me, and then when I get to you, you be real quiet and you receive the anointing. But let's all pray, all of us pray this together. Say, Lord Jesus, set me free tonight from sorrow and sadness, from grief and shame, from every regret from my past. I accept what you did, and I apply it tonight to what I did, and I thank you for joy unspeakable and full of glory by the anointing of the Holy Ghost through the laying on of hands. When hands are laid on me, the anointing will come into me and drive out these things and fill my heart with joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, there it is. I command you, be free in Jesus' name. Be free in Jesus' name. Free from sorrow and sadness. Free from the past. Free from the past in the name receive right now. There it is. Mm. <clears throat> ah, from whatever, from anything, everything that's happened and gone on. We command you to be free. We command you to be whole. We command you to be healed. He heals us of our wounds. Mm, the power of God can go in and do what no man can do, what no drug can do, what no human. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, minister grace and life by your power, by your anointing. In Jesus' name. Ooh, there's a strong presence. Receive right now in the name of Jesus. <clears throat> In Jesus' name, that's it, that's it, that's it. Praise the Lord. Receive right now in the name of Jesus. Oh, now listen, do this. Be real quiet and let the anointing come into you like a breath, like you receive a breath of air. Let it flow in and, and heal and redeem and restore and minister. It is peace like a river. Peace, peace like a river. Oh, woo! <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There's no, no, no burden too great. She keeps. <laughs> In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. 
You know, no one's outside of this. No one is too, is disqualified. Oh, this joy, these good tidings are to all people. Oh, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, receive, 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 receive. Oh, that's it. Receive in the name of Jesus. Be healed of all that ails you. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Now, now, now take another, another dose of that. Just, there you go. Just soak it in like, like a sponge. For it's the anointing that breaks and breaks the yoke. Just let that rest on you right there. Minister to you right there. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can we lift our hands? Can we praise him? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You don't know what happens at an altar. Hallelujah. 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 Boy, when you apply the word and then you apply the anointing of the Holy Spirit, that's a pretty good combination. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know what? Can I pray for you and Laura? I just love them, don't you? And I know this church does. You know, I'm sure... I haven't talk, ever talked to him about this. I have tried to hire him, I will admit that, uh, in jest, in jest. But I'm sure that there could have been other opportunities for Roland over these many years. But I'm going to tell you what, I celebrate the helps role, the assistant role, and he's really at the top of the list for somebody, and now Laura, it's been faithful to God and to their pastor and and just really made a difference. And boy, you do that over time and you you know there's so many lives affected because of ego's such a big deal in the in the world today. And and you have to check that when you work under somebody, but man, I I've never seen anybody do such a good job as as they do. Can, can you say amen? And I appreciate that. I know the Lord does. And I know the pastor and Leah do. But let's just pray for them. Can we do that? Father, just refresh them. Just help them. They're going to leave for a few days. I just pray it's the best trip they've ever had, that it'll be the most unusual trip they've ever had. And they'll just enjoy every minute of it, that it'll be just a heavenly reward. Because you can't just sow and sow and sow without reaping. So we just thank you for a mighty refreshing that they'll just come back full of vision and full of life. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. They already make it look easy. But we just thank you for more grace because the Bible says he giveth more grace. So do more. More, 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 more. <laughs> more. <laughs>
To me, we can do more services like this at night. Doesn't it seem a little more, I don't know, it just, you just feel like you can go a little slower. But I like the anointing, don't you? You know how many churches just don't have time for the anointing anymore. But um, that's going to change. Amen. We're getting to be such, a, uh, such a, <laughs> an unusual phenomenon that people are going to start seeking us out. I'm going to get all over Google. I got this guy that's going to put me on Google. I don't know how that happened. 2,000 search words, they're going to connect to me on Google. And, and so, you know, we're going to be the ones where people go, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I want power. I want the anointing. I want the glory of God. Where do I go? You can go to Island Church. That's where you can go. I believe they're going to seek us out. be here for a moment. We'll be here. Father, bless this church. Bless this people. Thank you for this wonderful day and just ask that the word that was sown would be watered and cared for and grow up and produce much fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us. We trust you enjoyed the message today. For services and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com you can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.